America. The Sprint Network is now more reliable than ever, and I'm on a mission to prove it's the fastest. I'm traveling the country betting anyone and everyone that Sprint is faster than their network. And Sprint's winning. The Sprint LTE network is now more reliable than ever. Switch today and stop overpaying for wireless. Visit the Sprint store or Sprint.com slash network to learn more. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Speed claim based on analysis of average delivered download speeds using Nielsen and MP data. Savings on select plans. Restrictions apply. Blog Talk Radio. Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Lajanusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. The show where past greats, current professionals, and industry leaders all come together and discuss the great game of golf. Today, Chris welcomes Next on the Tee, the three-time winner of the PGA Tour, Kenny Knox. And also, next on the tee, the Senior Director of Marketing for Adams Golf, Jeff Wood. So as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show with your host, Chris Mascaro. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe Lajanusa. I really appreciate how great you you kick the show off every single week. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining me. Next on the tee, I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I have the privilege of talking with two great guests, and I appreciate them knocking the dew off the first tee with me. First up is going to be three-time winner on the PGA Tour and one of the great putters of our time and the short game expert, Kenny Knox. Kenny is also into course design and has his own wedge and putter line, so he's going to join me here in just a few moments. We'll talk about his wonderful career and the things that he's doing now. A little later, I'll be joined by Adams Golf Senior Director of Marketing, Jeff Wood. I'll t- uh, chat with Jeff about uh, the relaunch of their Tight Lies Fairway Woods, uh, also about the Adams Pro Tour, their very cool Own the Second Shot program. You're going to want to listen to this. It's a great thing that they're doing on their Pro Tour, a second chance for guys to make the cut. And we'll also talk about Ernie Els making the switch from uh, Callaway over to Adams Golf. He's going to join us probably about 20 minutes from now. But before we get started, we want to kick off the show by saluting our military personnel listening in on the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's Memorial Day weekend, folks, so it's time to remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for us. So many brave veterans laid down their lives to help protect our freedoms and our liberties. Please remember them in your thoughts and prayers. And if you see a veteran, not only this weekend, but any time, Take a second. Say thank you to them. They're going to appreciate it. We need to appreciate them. Let them know how much we appreciate their service to their country and to each and every one of us. We also want to thank those who are serving in every branch of public service. We truly appreciate your sacrifices. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz, Stephen Lee, and all the folks at Armed Forces Radio Network. It's an honor for us to be a part of your network. You can find us online by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And clicking on the sports link that you're going to find in the bottom right-hand side of their homepage or on the radio link that you'll find in the upper right-hand corner. Also, please be sure to give those guys a follow on Twitter, at the AFRN, the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now joining me is Kenny Knox. Kenny, let me give you a little bit about his background. He's from Columbus, Georgia. Attended Florida State University, was an All-American his senior season. Kenny won three times on the PGA Tour, the 86 Honda Classic, the 87 Hardys Golf Classic, and the 1990 Buick Southern Open. 
Uh, as I mentioned at the top, Kenny is also uh, one of the best putters of our time. In 1989, he set a putting record on the MCI Heritage, at the MCI Heritage Classic. He had eight putts over nine holes, 18 putts over 18 holes, and only 93 putts over 72 holes. He is currently teaching golf in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, and I'm honored to have him as part of Next on the Tee with me this morning. Kenny, thanks for being here. Hey, Chris, it's great to be here for y'all. <laughs> I'll never forget that You know, when you get on the first tee and you get ready to hit You got the, the announcer And uh, in the south they say Four, y'all And so we really enjoy that down here in the south So I just wanted to welcome you from the great south Hey, I appreciate you Thank you, Kenny Let's, um, let's start at the beginning Now, golf is so often a game Passed along from parents to child My father introduced me to the game Talk about how your father and your parents actually got you involved in the game of golf. Yes, my father, he started playing golf a year before the rest of the family did in Columbus, Georgia. And he was the one that introduced me. I was on the, my first golf course with him in Feeding City, Alabama, uh, riding around in the golf cart watching him play, hack it around. And he, uh, he was a, a man of 39 years old at that time, and so he started late in life. Uh, in the construction business, so he kind of got us started. I had three older brothers and my mother, and my mother kind of took it from there, and basically I played a lot of my golf. Most of my youth was playing uh, golf with my mother in the afternoons uh, after she would uh, have a full day, and we would get out of school, and she would pick us up and take us to the golf course, and, and we'd have a big time out there on the golf course or in the summers, you know, she'd drop us off when the dew was on the ground, and we'd be teeing off at Columbus Country Club early in the morning and be out there all day long practicing, chipping, putting, uh, having matches with other junior golfers. We had a very well-known uh, continue to golfers in Columbus, Georgia, that have very, very accomplished golfers for, coming from that city. Mm-hmm. So you were a phenom because you, as I was reading about your background, Kenny, you you really start at the age of nine, and by twelve you're already shooting par. Now it typically takes you know people a decade just to be bad at the game. What enabled you to get such you know be so good so quickly? I think I had a lot of great uh, mentors. Actually, I had a lot of really really good amateur players to watch. Uh, and I really just fell in love with the game. I, I was already playing baseball and really loved baseball. And, of course, Mickey Mantle and the boys were all my heroes. And so I just was a natural athlete, enjoyed it, put a lot of, a lot of time into it, uh, had fun. I remember one day when I was 12 years old, I shot 34 in the front nine and went out the back nine and, and, and cruised in with a little uh, 39 for my, for my lowest round of my life at 73 when I was 12 years old. Wow. Uh, made my first hole in one when I was 12. Won the Southeastern Junior, won the Southeastern Junior, uh, 12 and under division by 27 shots. Uh, so I, I, you know, there were a lot of phenoms back in those days. I remember Buddy Gardner from Montgomery, Alabama, was was the real phenom in those days. He was he was nationally recognized for his junior uh, for junior golf, and he, thank goodness he was one year older than me because he would win the 12 and under and then move on to the 13, then I would win the 12 and under, and we did all the way through our junior days. And He ended up going to Auburn University, and, of course, I went to Florida State University, and we competed against right. each other in school. I, I got a hole-in-one at 12. And I'm, I've been playing the game for, you know, 30-some-odd years, still waiting for the first one to happen. 12 years old, what, 
what, t- take me through that. What, what what was the whole? What was the yardage? And and then you know, describe the emotion at twelve. It was the the ninth hole at Columbus Country Club, about 140 yards uphill, and uh, just knocked it right in the right in the hole, and then uh, went on to have another uh, another baker's dozen after that. So it's it's been quite a. I've been fortunate enough to have quite a few hole in ones. Had them in golf tournaments, PGA Tour events. Right. Had one over in uh, in in uh, Japan when I was playing over there, uh, touring around there after the season and the postseason uh, tournaments over there. And it's been, you know, I've, I've been able to make some. Some people say they play the whole life, don't make any. They're actually right. more accomplished than me. So it's just one of those things where some people make a bunch of. So I was. It was fun to make it when I was young, and obviously, and it kind of got in my mind thinking, you know, that uh, I guess it's like getting that first pickle out of the jar, you know, that first one's the hardest <laughs> one, and then <laughs> the rest of them come easy after that, Chris. <laughs> I'm sure trying to get that first pickle out of the jar. <laughs> Kenny, it wasn't an easy road for you to get on tour. Talk about how you persevered in order to get your card. Well, it wasn't easy. You're right. Uh I thought that I would, you know, come right out of college and, and do well. I won my first professional tournament uh, when I, uh, on the J.C. Goosey Space Coast Mini Tour uh, right out of college, and I just uh, got to win the Southeastern Amateur, so I was ready to play uh, at that time. And unfortunately, uh, I wasn't uh, as good as I thought I was because I wasn't able to hold up under the intense pressure of the, of the qualifying schools. Back in those days, we played two schools a year, play one in the spring, one in the fall. And it took me three and a half years, seven tries to get my first tour card. And my first year on tour was 1982, and I failed miserably, lost my tour card. And then I played the TPS tour, which is now, of course, the web.com tour. And I finished seventh on that money list uh, that year in, 80, in 83. And then I got my tour card back in 84 and failed again. And then I got my tour card back in 85 and failed again. And so uh, I went down uh, in 86. I had uh, partial status on the tour, uh, having finished in the top 150 on the money list, but not the top 125. I went down to Monday qualified for the Honda Classic, and the rest is history. I, I won right. the golf tournament uh, by one shot over Andy Bean and, and Clarence Rose and and finished 24th on the money list that year, having not played the entire West Coast. Had a really a phenomenal season, just right out of – it just broke through for me. I just gained that confidence, and that snowball started rolling downhill and picking up momentum. I had six good years on the tour where I was in the top 75 on the money list six years in a row. I was 32nd on the money list in 1991, uh, not winning a golf tournament. Then I hurt my back uh, in early 92 – and basically uh, never returned. My, my back injury uh, left me with very little confidence in my, my golf swing. I couldn't make the same swing I was making before uh, where I was able to hold my, my spine angle and, and uh, hit that ball down the left side and know that it never was ever going to go left. And so consequently I lost my confidence and and uh, there's no there's no time for losing your confidence on the PGA Tour because they'll run right over you. But I did accomplish the feat of winning at my hometown in Columbus, Georgia, my last uh, in my last tournament win in 1990, and I won at the uh, my rival club in Columbus, the Green Island Country Club, and and uh, what a great win that was! It was 
a great way to win a golf tournament, dedicated to my my late father who had passed away uh, when I was 19 years old, and and uh, he was buried not too far from that golf course, and and so that was my last win, and then I had a good year in '91, of course, and then ever since then I've been trying to figure out a way to stay in the game. So talk to that. You know, you talk about losing your confidence and whatnot, but how has that translated into you know you, you know your enjoyment of the game now? Well, after I, you know, beat my head against the wall, I, I compared it to, like, getting in the ring with Mike Tyson. <laughs> you, you just keep getting in there and just keep getting, you know, the stock beat out of you. So it, it it was tough. It was very difficult when you had high expectations. Uh, you know, I had a, a pretty good little career, a good little run there, uh, and my expectations were high. But, but my unfortunately, my game was letting me down. My confidence was not there. I'd lost my swing. And it was difficult. So I had to figure out a way. I, I still knew, you know, how to swing the golf club. I just wasn't able to put it all together. And I got very confused out there. You get, you start listening to everybody you can listen to. The yeah. golf instructors are on every corner. And, uh, you know, they're trying to help you. And you're trying to figure out something out. And you're trying to do things you've never done before that you're not comfortable with. Get closer to the ball. Get further away from the ball. You know, tilt your spine, you know, stand straight over it, you know, all these, you know, get more vertical, yeah. lay the club off, swing the club longer, you know, shorten it up. I mean, the whole gamut, you know, swing, you know, hit a draw, hit a fade. I mean, it just, it, the whole thing is just a, a mass uh, confusion. And my hat's off to the, the Fred folks of the world that can, can persevere through all the difficult times and have a long uh, career in golf and, and uh, be able to sustain it for such a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, I've heard interviews recently with David Duvall sort of going through the same thing, right, trying to reinvent himself. And he he mentions, you know, every, you got all these people trying to get in your ear, and, you know, it sort of becomes like noise after a while and confuses you, and you've got so many swing thoughts and all of that sort of thing. Now, you know, he's trying to put his game back together. Did you ever just take some time away from it and go, you know, all right, enough, I've heard it all. Let me just try to figure this thing out on my own. Well, that's what I've been doing the last 20 years. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it was forced retirement. Uh, I did, <laughs> I did make a run on the on the uh, Champions Tour when I turned 50. I did have some event status. I played 40 tournaments out there, and and just I made 260,000 dollars, which wasn't near enough to to keep my event status. And and uh, again, uh, I lost that status and. And just decided not to go back down that road of of trying to uh, Monday qualify and 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 uh, spend good money after bad trying to trying to beat people that that uh, have been beating me for the last twenty years. <laughs> so you had the opportunity to play with some of the greatest golfers of all time. Who who taught you the most, and who did you enjoy playing with? Well, I think J.C. Snead probably helped me with my golf swing the most back in '85. Uh, That's when I really started turning it, turning it around. Uh, and he gave me a golf lesson on the practice tee at Green Island Country Club in Columbus in 1985, and I went out to say 64 the next day. And uh, it was it was a it was a great uh, a great lesson and one that really helped me and actually propelled me to win the Honda Classic. Um, and so I give him a lot of credit. Uh, I learned a lot of golf from Mac O'Grady, but it, it got a little too confusing. I think he was a genius but uh, and, and knew a whole lot about the golf swing, obviously. Uh, 
but it just got a little too confusing and too mechanical for me. I'm more of a natural athlete. Uh, my on the golf course, I spent a tremendous amount of time with Jack Nicklaus, uh, actually playing uh, major championship practice rounds. We would play just about every major championship that that uh, I was in. Uh, you know, I would approach Jack and and we would play practice rounds, and he and I would go out and play Greg Norman and whoever Greg wanted to play, and it just it built my confidence tremendously, and it taught me a lot about course management, course. I couldn't hit the ball like Greg and like Jack, but I could hit, I could get it out there okay, and and of course my short game held me up pretty good. So I think they learned a little bit about my short game when when um, you know they both started calling me one putt all the time. <laughs> right. I, I read you know speaking of going out and playing practice rounds, I read an article on the Back Nine Network site uh, about a friendly bet that went on in a practice round between Ben Crenshaw, Phil Mickelson, Paul Azinger, and the late Payne Stewart. What started out as sort of a friendly fifty dollar NASA turned into a putt on the on the last hole for sixteen hundred dollars, sort of something right out of Caddyshack. When you guys were playing, did there, anything ever sort of make you go, "Ooh, this is serious out here. This this isn't just uh, let's play a practice round together." There were a few guys that, that, you know, gambled a little bit, but in all honesty, uh, not really. We, you know, we would play for $10, and I think I still got that, that first $10 that I won from uh, Norman. So <laughs> it's... Good for you. It, you know, and it, it, it just really was more about, for me, it was about, you know, playing with the best and learning from the best. Uh, certainly you need to put yourself in pressure situations, but it's a different type of pressure, uh, I think, when you're, when you're gambling and, and, uh, and when you're, I feel the same amount of pressure when I'm playing for $5 that I do for $100. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's, 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 there's only money and then out there you can go get some more out there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a but now, you know, I I know that those guys do like to play because, let's face it, you know, it used to be when I was coming up, you couldn't afford to play the tour, and now you can't afford not to play it. It's it's uh, <laughs> I mean, they're making so much money now. What is sixteen hundred dollars? I mean, the caddy fees have gone from three hundred dollars a week to you know, I don't know, fifteen hundred to two thousand just for the base salary, just for the caddies. So. Wow. You know the the money has just skyrocketed. It is something that I'm I'm not really that honestly not that familiar with. These I think my biggest check ever was a runner up finish uh, in '91 when I lost the playoff to Mike Holbert. I think I made 110 thousand, but I won 90 thousand on the Classic and 90 thousand for winning the Hardies and I think 106 thousand for winning the uh, the Buick Southern. So. Uh, you know, the money just wasn't there in the in the eighties and early nineties. And then it started right. picking up, you know, later on in the in the nineties. And uh, you know, hundred and eighty thousand dollars was a that was a one million dollar golf tournament. That was a huge golf tournament back in those days. Yeah. So, right. you know, now those guys are you know, they're making one point eight million for for winning a tournament, you know. So it's great. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a great uh thing that's happening out there. I hope it doesn't, you know, uh, and I hope they can continue to uh, uh, find the sponsors and continue to. They have a great product. I think they have the best product in all of sports. I think the PJ Tour is is certainly something that 
the, the great thing about the tour is everybody can relate. Anybody, you don't even have to be an athlete to play golf and, and enjoy it. And that's not the case in all the other sports. I mean, you can't play those other sports unless you're ready to, you know, to, uh, to do what it takes and, and have that ability. But in golf, you, you got the handicaps and you can really enjoy golf, play with people, uh, uh, of similar handicaps. I think that's a great thing about golf. And, you know, look at all the different ways that people play golf. I mean, we have a lot of, you know, we have national handicap tournaments. We have national, you know, the blind tournaments. I mean, Anybody can play golf. You can you can sit you know you can sit in a wheelchair and play golf. I just think it's a wonderful game, and uh, it's just a true inspiration to see people play golf that are handicapped because it's just uh, you just know that they're out there for the pure uh, enjoyment and not necessarily trying to see how much money they can make off the other guy. Right. So. You talked about being called one putt. I talked about, you know, at the beginning, the putting records that you set at the uh, at the Heritage Classic. You've got a wedge and putter line that you've actually come out with at Kenny Knox Golf. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I, I feel like that, you know, my expertise is in the short game. I, I led the tour, you know, in, in with the least amount of putts uh, for a number of years. Uh, I was always in the top five and. Oh, those six years I really played well. I was always up there in the putting statistics. I actually led the tour one year in birdies, uh, and and trust me, I was not hitting that many greens. Uh, my short game held me up. I would I would never fear going after the flag because I was able to, you know, just hit at the flag and I'd either uh, you know chip the ball in or tap it in with a an up and down. So I decided to get into the the golf business uh, with putters and wedges. And I'm very, very excited about what what's around the bend. We, uh, next month, we're introducing a, a, a line of putters uh, called the Transformer Line. And what we're doing there, Chris, is we're going to be able to fit people for their custom-made putters. And so we're going to set up fitters around the world that can uh, have our fitting system. And for a very... Uh, uh, Nice fee, not not anything too expensive. Just a nice fee. You can you can actually get a, a custom made putter, and what it's all about is alignment. We've discovered that most people that go in the golf shop and and pick up a putter because they see their their favorite player using that putter, and they go on the green and it may feel good to them, but they may not be lined up correctly. So we've decided that alignment is a way to fit somebody for putters. Of course, you're going to fit it for length and lie angle. But you need to fit them for the right putter style. In other words, we have different heads with different hosel fittings. And so we will actually fit that individual according to where they line it up using the laser system. And so when you set down a mallet that's a heel shafted with a plumber's neck mallet, you may think that's the putter you should be using, but it may line you up as much as eight inches to the left of the hole from eight feet. And wow. so, oh, absolutely. And so through a process of elimination, we may end up putting you into a, if you, you know, if we do determine that you're, you're a mallet player, that's great. We can put you into a straight-in bore, uh, center-shafted bore putter that lines you up dead on the target. So then you have the total confidence uh, to set up and make that putt, just make a normal stroke and not have to make compensations in your stroke. Because I guarantee your mind's eye will sense where you're lined up left or right. 
even though you're you're actually thinking that you're lined up correctly, but you keep missing the ball to the left. Well, it's not necessarily because you're pulling the putt. It's because you're lined up incorrectly. So we're going to come out with a, a line of mallets and a line of blades with different hosels and different boreholes, and we'll have fitters set up all around the world so uh, that that you can go to and and they will fit you. And it's a simple 15 to 30 minute fitting process. Uh, that fit will make the order to us, and we'll turn that order around in 48 hours. You'll have your putter in, in four to five days after the fitting, and it's a it'll be a wonderful product, and it will be your custom putter. Wow, that sounds fantastic. So, how soon is that going to be available? It's going to be available next month, actually. It's uh, we have it. Uh, we're waiting on it. Everything's in production right now as we speak. And we're getting product over uh, from Taiwan, the raw heads, and we'll be milling the faces here in the United States. And and we can actually mill to wait. So when you decide that you want – our putters come in around 360 grams, and you want a uh, – or 370 grams, and you want a 360-gram putter, we can mill it down to 360 grams and, and, you know, get the exact weight that you want. It can be your absolute custom putter. Wow, that's fantastic stuff, Kenny. Um, I've got my next guest, Jeff Wood, hanging on the line. Going to get to him in just a second. Before we let you go, though, Kenny, you also your wedges. I was reading about them. You've got a, a tour preferred natural finish that's going to enhance shot making performance. What does that mean? Well, the tour preferred natural uh, finish. The natural finish is is what most pro, uh, tour players prefer because it it responds better uh, off. The golf ball responds off the club face better. You can, it actually grabs the ball a little bit better. Whenever you start uh, coating these things with chrome and and the different finishes that they put on them, the ball comes off the face differently. My experience in chipping and and, and educating people and teaching people on how to chip the ball, pitch the ball, uh, if, if they don't have the proper technique with the proper equipment, the golf ball will climb up the club face, and you'll get that uh, you'll get that ball that comes out high, loft, and then it come out low, and you get a very consistent ball flight when you're hitting these chip shots. So with my chipping technique and my wedges, they were actually designed by Jose Maria Olathobel, uh wow. who was obviously a friend of Seve Ballesteros, as I was. Seve used to teach me how to grind my wedges. So we've combined our efforts into into making a wedge that people can, uh, you can custom grind them if you want them ground a certain way. They're forged wedges, so we can grind them that way. And I'm also experimenting with a QPQ processing that that uh, it, it's a heat finish on it, and it's going to make the, the wedges black also, because some of the people don't like the natural finish. It's not it's not pretty or whatever, but this black finish is gorgeous, and it's, it's, you're not able to scratch it. So that's something else I'm working with right now and experiment with the wedge to make sure it performs as well as the natural finish wedges do. That's fantastic. That's all great stuff, Kenny. How can you know our listeners a find you online and b you know keep track of what's going on and uh, also on social media? It's really easy if you know my name. It's really easy. Kenny Knox Golf. Just think about Kenny Knox. And so you go to www.kennyknoxgolf.com, or you can email me at kennyknoxgolf at gmail.com. And obviously the the uh, Twitters and the Facebooks are all Kenny Knox Golf. So just Kenny Knox Golf. That's fantastic, Kenny. 
Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to join me. You're you're fantastic to talk with. I hope you'll come back again sometime, A, and update us on how things are going and, uh, you know, the, the wedge system and the putters you've got going on out there and, uh, you know, as well as where people can find it worldwide to get themselves all, you know, get their custom-made equipment. Plus, they'll talk a little more about your career and what's going on around, around the game of golf. But it was a pleasure having you on Next on the Tee this morning. Hey, Chris, I appreciate it, and I, I do pray that everybody has a wonderful Memorial Day, and, and I do thank all our veterans out there for what they do for this country. It's uh, certainly something that we take for granted, and it's, uh, it's at a point in our lives where we really need to focus on, on our military and beefing it up and getting it where we are, feel more protected. Absolutely. Kenny, thanks again for being here. All the best to you and your family. All right. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you having me. All right. Take care, Kenny. Catch up soon. Bye-bye. Great stuff from Kenny Knock. Wow, very exciting with the with the new equipment. Looking forward to catching up with him again and uh, hearing more about that. We're going to get to uh, our next guest, uh, Jeff Wood, right after this uh, brief uh, station break. This is Joe Lajanusa from Thursday Night Tailgate, and you're listening to On the Tee with Chris Mascaro on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now joining me is Adams Golf Senior Director of Marketing, Jeff Wood. Jeff, good morning. Thanks for being with us this morning. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me on. So, Jeff, you know, obviously doing some research and looking up uh, all the new things coming up, you know, this golf season at, uh, at Adams Golf. You guys are reintroducing the uh, Tight Lice Fairway Woods, which was one of, you know, my favorites several years ago. Talk more about why you guys decided to relaunch that brand. Yeah, Chris, you're not really you're not the only one that remembers the original tie lies. We have uh, a lot of golfers out there that have fond memories of the original one back in uh late nineties, I guess, mid to late nineties. Right. The uh the fairway wood that was uh, easy to hit. It was uh promoted on a uh infomercial with uh Barney Adams, the founder of the company and Hank Haney was, was a part of it back then. Right. I remember that. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people uh a lot of people had the the fairway wood in, in their bag, and it, it really put our company on the map back then. And uh, ever since that that point, we've uh, grown into a, a substantial uh, a golf company and equipment brand. And uh, middle of last year or so, we uh, reintroduced the Tight Lies Fairway Wood uh, with some of the same uh, design features that the uh, original one had. Uh, the low profile design that really gets under the ball. The uh, tri-level sole design that helps it kind of cut through the, the turf and the rough and all of those tight lies that you find yourself in. And then uh, right. we introduced the uh, velocity slot technology that we've kind of incorporated in a lot of our metal woods and hybrids in the past uh, few years. Uh, so there's a slot on top of the crown and a slot on the sole. And what that creates is that trampoline effect off the face. So the ball pops off that face and launches off that face a, a lot hotter than uh, a standard fairway would. And uh, it's been a great success for us. We're really excited about uh, relaunching that and, uh, and uh, providing a, a new type of fairway wood that uh, is in the market for the, uh, for the golfers out there. You know, a lot of the fairway woods that have been designed uh, in the past, I don't know, five or ten years are really many drivers. And uh, a lot of golfers are, are using their fairway woods off the tee more than they are drivers because they have so many of the the same benefits and the same um, technology that drivers are built with. And uh, we just decided, you know what, 
uh, let's get get back to what a fairway wood needs to be. It needs to be that versatile club that uh, gets you out of a lot of trouble and, and gets you the distance you need and, and puts you back into a, a position to uh, score pretty well out there on the golf course. So uh, it's been a huge success, and we're uh, we're just excited. Uh, we've got some uh, future plans with the Titleist brand that uh, golfers will see uh, here in the remainder of the year. So uh, it's been a pretty good run with us so far. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think you, you, you talked a second ago about it, Jeff, but you know, when I was looking it up online, you guys are sort of um, you're marking it as cut-through slot technology and then upside-down design. Um, just for, for lay golfers like me, what does that mean? Well, the upside-down design is really Barney did this back in the 90s with the original tight live, and, and he looked at the shape of a, of a fairway wood at, at the time and, and really flipped it and, and turned it upside down and so that the, the crown of the fairway wood is, is down below the top of the golf ball, and it's, it's more of the, at the middle point of the golf ball, that, the crown. So your fairway wood is sitting lower, and it's getting the ball up. And that was his message is uh, uh, upward and forward and uh, get the ball airborne because so many people were having trouble getting right. the ball up in the air. And uh, he saw it uh, as, as a custom fitter out on the, golf, out, out on the driving range uh, that's what he noticed. So he, he really developed that, that original design of the upside-down uh, design and patented uh, that, and then we've come along and uh, used that same design with this new tight lies. And then the cut-through slot is the actual you – if you, if you pull away some of the, uh, some of the metal, uh, there is a, a cut-through slot that goes from the crown of the club to the sole of the club – and there's really nothing back behind the face of the club that's supporting that face. So it's really flexible wow. and really gives that, that spring-like effect that makes right. the ball really launch off of it in a, in a hot ball flight. When you guys are, you know, looking at you know, new equipment, new designs, and that sort of thing for, you know, for, all, for everything across Adams Golf, are your touring players like, you know, the Tom Watsons, the Kenny Perrys, now Ernie Els coming over from Callaway to join Adams Golf, are those guys giving you feedback along the way for either, A, how it performs or, you know, suggestions on, you know, what, what works, what feels good, that sort of thing? Absolutely, Chris. They are very much involved. Uh, and it's been, you know, we're based here in Dallas or just outside of Dallas, Texas. And uh, just the past two weeks with the Byron Nelson here and then this week with the Colonial, our engineers are out there on the range with the players, not only our players who we have on our tour staff, but other players who may play some of our clubs. Uh, they're out there with the, you know, launch monitors and just talking with the players about what they like about these and what they like about this and, and really getting their feedback because, you know, they, they are the best players in the world for a reason. Uh, they are very dialed into their golf clubs and what, uh, what performs better than this or that. And, uh, you know, some of them can be very, very, very picky on, on uh, the design and, and just kind of the look and feel of the club. They, they are so dialed in compared to the amateur golfer that it's, it was really mind-boggling to, to listen to them and, and have them pick apart a golf club because some things that you just would never, you and I would never really consider, uh, right. they are, are very critical about them. So uh, absolutely, Tom Watson's been a huge uh, part of our company for uh, almost 15 years now, and, uh, and he's definitely involved in the, in the design and the, and the uh, product development part of the business. 
Uh, Kenny Berry as, as well, Aaron Baddeley. Uh, like you said, Ernie Els has joined the company uh, after uh, this past year, and uh, we we actually you know we have a we have a set of irons right now in the marketplace called the XTD irons with a cross cavity uh, design on the back, and uh, we showed them to uh, Ernie and. He loved them. He loved the looks. And then he started kind of tweaking it and, and saying, hey, look, you know, I, I need a little bit uh, shorter top line here. Uh, if you can kind of decrease the size of this altogether, uh, if you can uh, change it from a darker uh, finish to more of a satin finish that I that I like to play. So we went out and, and really redesigned the, the size and the, and the look of these irons uh, just for Ernie. And uh, so we have this kind of amateur, uh, you know, middle of the road uh, game improvement iron that we're going uh, that we're selling right now in, in golf shops. And then we're going to come along in a, in a month or two and launch the Ernie Els version of that iron uh, nice. to kind of his his specs and what he likes. So uh, yeah, they're very much involved, and it's and it's fun to have them involved. I bet. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the developmental tour, the Adams Pro Tour that you guys have. You guys are doing something new, very cool, called Own the Second Shot. Tell our listeners what that is. Yeah, we are. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the the Pro Tour series we've uh, been a part of, uh, gosh, eight uh, eight or nine years now, and it's uh, it's a mini tour, regional here down in in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma. Uh, given, uh, you know, aspiring pro golfers a chance to, to move up in the world and eventually get it on to the uh, PGA Tour. Uh, there's a lot of good names that are on the PGA Tour that have played on the Adams Tour, uh, like Bubba Watson and Ryan Palmer and Chad Campbell. Uh, so it's, uh, it's definitely a legitimate tour, and uh, we love being a part of it. And uh, this year, to go along with our uh, company movement of own, owning the second shot, uh, which is very important to our brand and to the, uh, the players that play Adams Golf Clubs. Uh, we've created an Own the Second Shot uh, opportunity for these guys out on the Adams Pro Tour uh, to actually try and make have one second chance to get into the weekend and make the cut. Uh, so any, any of the players that are one stroke away from uh, making the cut actually get a second chance, a second shot, and uh, they they all go out to the 18th hole or to the uh, designated hole that's been uh, that's been picked up by the tournament directors. They all drop a ball. They have one shot into the green, uh, the closest to the pin. Uh, we we consider that the second shot at 200 yards or so, 225 yards into the green. Uh, if if uh, the the guy or two guys or whatever it is. Uh, get closest to the pin, then uh, they are in and they can continue in on the tournament. So it's it's given those guys a second shot at uh, making some money for the weekend, uh, and it's been very well received. I think the first weekend that they did it, uh, one of the gentlemen who had that second shot and, and made it into the weekend, uh, he uh, had a hole-in-one and the, during the wow. weekend round and actually made a nice paycheck for the weekend. So uh, his second shot absolutely paid off for him, and he was uh, very grateful for it. <laughs> no doubt. So 
you know, with with the level of touring pros that you guys have, and plus, you know, other people, you know, I, I, everyone's got an idea for you. As I'm sure the director of marketing, hey, why don't you sign this guy? <laughs> why don't you do this thing? Hey, I had this great idea. Has anyone ever kind of come to you and given you a thought, and you go, wait, you know what? That's not half bad. Oh, absolutely, all the time. I uh, I am always open to listen, and and you hear some some crazy things out there, and. No doubt. Things that just don't don't make a lot of sense, and you wish uh, you wish you could you could do it all. And we definitely have heard uh, a lot of ideas come our way. Um, but yeah, you're, you're I, I listen to uh, uh, family members, I listen to friends, I listen to people that don't know much about Adams Golf in general. I uh, I look at what other companies are doing and what they're doing right. Um, so it's a it's definitely a, a blank canvas sometimes because. Uh, you know, you're you're always trying to reinvent different things and different ideas. Uh, the golf industry is uh, is needing some excitement here and there, and and bringing new players into the game and and keeping the ones that we have in the game. So uh, there's never a time where you can just kind of rest and sit back and say, oh yeah, I, I nailed that and we we've solved that. Uh, it's always changing, and you're you're always looking at new ways to. Uh, Increase interest and and uh, the demand out there for it's a it's a highly competitive business. It's it's really right. unlike any kind of other industry. Um, you really kind of feel like a sports franchise, like you have your loyal fans that wants to see you succeed, and you're you're trying to to win, and you're and, and it's really competitive. It's it is a a sport, and we all uh, love golf, and and so uh, you know I I totally respect what the other uh, companies that we compete with do on a weekend, week out, and yearly basis, and we're just trying to fight and fight and uh, keep growing Adams Golf. So it's a it's a lot of fun, and I I love hearing from uh, everybody to to uh, maybe find that one great idea that uh, really makes a difference. All right. So to the to that end, Jeff, you know, as as a consumer, if I ask you what makes Adams Golf better than your competition, what what is that? You know, we've our bread and butter has been creating golf clubs that give golfers more enjoyment in the game. Uh, we've really uh, had some expertise when it comes to the super game improvement side of the business and uh, the high handicappers that, you know, it's all about the hybrids. It's all about the easy-to-hit fairway woods and the irons. Uh, so I think that's our specialty. I think we... Uh, you know, it, it goes back to owning the second shot. Uh, we're not thought of as a driver brand. You know, TaylorMade, Callaway, those guys focus so much of their business on the driver. Uh, we dial ours into the fairway, and we've done that for many years now. Uh, so we're looking at, uh, you know, from 225 yards to, to 150 yards in into the into the green, and really becoming the best company when it when when a golfer needs needs a little help uh even if he's a tour pro i mean we want the guys that we signed to tour deals to be exceptional uh second shot players we want you know ernie ells he he came to the company and was ranked i don't know 125th 130th out on tour uh from 100 uh what was it 225 yards into the green and just this year with his slight change of equipment uh, he's now in the top 15, top 20 in that stat category. So wow, it's it's a serious part of our business. It's our bread and butter, uh, the fairway woods, the hybrids, and the irons. And 
Uh, we focus a lot of time and energy and dollars uh, into making the best equipment in that in that range. So um, we're excited about that, and I, I, I hope the, the golfers excited about that as well. Uh, indeed. So for our listeners, Jeff, you know where where can they go online? Talk about you know your presence online on social media and how they can go and find out more information about all the things you guys are doing and stay up to up to date with everything going on at Adams Golf. Absolutely, I'd love to. We uh, you know we're very active on Twitter these days, and and uh, you can find us at, at Adams Golf, uh, and you can own the second shot. So use hashtag own the second shot on Twitter. And uh, show us your distance. I've got 200 yards into the green here. I'm going to use this hybrid. And we, we uh, encourage people to use second shot selfies out there. Uh, take a picture of yourself <laughs> and, your, and your hybrid or your fairway lit. Have a little fun with it. That's what we want to do. Uh, so definitely follow us on Twitter at, at AdamsGolf. And then uh, you can find us at our website as well at AdamsGolf.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we just want, we want to connect with golfers in any way and, and uh, you know, give them a little more enjoyment in the game and, and everybody have a little more fun with golf. That's what it's all about. It's a great game. That's fantastic. Jeff, thank you so much for getting up early on a Saturday to be a part of the show. Great talking with you. Hope you'll come back, you know, and join us again sometime. Keep us updated on all the latest things going on at Adams Golf. Uh, and uh, we look forward to the opportunity to keep the relationship going. Hey, I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much for the time. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, all the best to you and your family. Thanks so much. Bye. Fantastic stuff, folks. All right, everybody. It's uh, it's time for us to put a bow on this one. My thanks to Kenny Knox and to Jeff Wood for being such outstanding guests and to our announcer, Joe Lajanusa, who always does such an outstanding job kicking the show off every single week. I thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you the very most. Until next week, hit them straight, everybody. choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. And participating Wendy's for a limited time. Meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii.